to do the thing. Uh, do you want to host? Hmm? Mm-hmm. No. You're in charge. Oh, but I can't throw it. You have to either do the intro or you have to host. What do I have to do? To just say that it's me? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I feel like I've never paid attention to what Tyler does. Uh, basically, you give a rundown at the top of like the articles we're going to have. Oh, God, I don't remember. Uh, they're on my other tab, don't Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to do the intro then? No. <laughs> I don't Is there a way that I can do neither? No. Damn it. Welcome to Bruise Day Tuesday Podcast, episode 196. I'm Sam Ginsberg, and here is Zach Nakashin. That's your host, Zach Nakashin. That's right, I'm taking this thing over. It's finally happened. It's been taken about a year and some change, but it finally, uh, Tyler's no more, and I've taken over all that he has. Did you kill him? Uh, no, uh, I don't think so. Although he will be difficult to find, and I've left a series of riddles around town. <laughs> okay, great. Cool. So I'm Zach. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today, in terms of articles, which I've actually read this time, Budweiser giving out <laughs> beers to homeless people, and not everybody's super stoked about it. We got what kind of, what your beer choice says about you, an article that lets everybody know what you're all about for drinking your beer, and guess what? If you're drinking Corona, you're pretty sweet. They, that one was pretty positive. Uh, that was like an ad for Corona. How the beer test in hiring may be discriminatory and or out of touch. And also, beers specifically brewed to be consumed on airplanes. So, this myriad of topics and many more, maybe some less, we'll be talking about this week. I think it'd be fewer. Uh, it could be, if you could count that high. To four? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, grammar is all based on my mathematical ability. Okay. I've always thought grammar is subjective. That's what they say, right? Really, all systems of rules are subjective. Yeah, like if I just refuse to follow it, what are they going to do? There's no police. The grammar Nazis, thankfully, not real. Um, I feel like grammar is just a thing that like 60-year-old women with no control over their own lives try to enforce on children. Oh, but I love enforcing grammar on people. It's like my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. That and bridge. (laughs) Bridge is pretty fun, actually. I've never played bridge. I don't even know how it works. It's fun. Uh, It's like euchre if euchre were more complicated. (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> I mean, great. I learned Euchre, and I was like, this is fun, but it needs more rules. There's, like, one possible thing that can happen in yeah. Euchre. That's true. But, yeah, I think, really, it's I like correcting people, and grammar, that's just, oh, shooting fish in a barrel. People don't know shit about grammar. That's really true. The thing I've seen more online than I really ever expected to, based on, like, my understanding of grammar, is people saying that other people are biased. And not biased. It's like oh, they use the yeah. noun incorrectly, and I've never seen that before up until, like, I think like a year or so ago on Reddit, I feel like suddenly everyone was doing it. And I was just like, what's wrong with everybody? I think it's because in the pronunciation, it's the the ED is very subtle. It's a subtle D. Like, so if you say you are a biased person, like if you say it fast enough, you can't even hear whether or not I included the D. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which is weird because usually people are always aware when I give them the D. <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> No, it's like a knowledge is power, Francis Bacon thing, where people didn't know that people weren't saying France is bacon, they were saying Francis Bacon. They thought the other half of that saying was, is knowledge is power, Francis, Francis Bacon. Interesting. They were like, I never really got it. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it's just like a, 
I, I'm sure there's a word for what it. It's, it's probably a nice French word for when you think you've understood a phrase, but you don't because you've just been mishearing it the whole time. I don't know what it is, but it's not menage a trois. <laughs> Anywho, uh, what are you drinking over there, Sam? Uh, so I have part two of four in the Flying Dog Heat Series Hot Box. Uh, this is Cherry Bomb Goza, ale brewed with hot peppers and cherries. And hot pepper beer is one of my favorite styles, and Goza is one of my least favorite styles. And I'm going to guess that the Goza is going to beat the hot pepper here, but uh, my prediction wasn't spot on last week, so we'll see. 4.7% ABV, and on the handy hotness scale, it's uh, about in the middle. So it doesn't smell sour, which is a good sign, because I feel like a lot of the time these are way too sour for me. A little bit of cherry and a little bit of heat. Oh, oh uh, so I like this a lot. Uh, <laughs> I was unprepared. The cherry doesn't come through quite as much. It's more the heat, um, which is interesting because it has about the same heat ranking as the shishito ale I had last week, and it's way spicier. It's not crazy spicy, but it's definitely front of the palate as opposed to last week. And the, the cherry's a little more subtle. You get a little bit of the sour and a little bit of the uh, salta goza-ness, salty goza-ness. It's weird. There's a lot of stuff going on here, but the fact that the focal point is the heat is good for me. Right on. And I have Levacious by Nextdoor Brewing, I believe. Yep. Uh, 5% Belgian farmhouse ale uh, brewed with peach blossom, lavender, and white tea. And the front is sort of a soft peach label uh, with a nice black tree with peach blossoms kind of coming off around it. Um, so I saw this. And what I want to happen here, here's my expectation going in, and I'm prepared to be disappointed by this. Like, I want to be taken on a trip. I want a nice, relaxing, enjoyable beverage that's sort of like just the lazy river of drinking. I want to float down on it. I'm expecting some yeastiness because uh, it's a Belgian. But other than that, I'm expecting some nice, subtle tones of relaxing things in the background, that tea, that lavender. So let's see. It's also just... It's so cute. I'm hoping for it a little bit carbonation, just something, uh, I don't know, friendly. A lot of descriptions of uh, how it'll make you feel rather than how it'll taste, which I think is an interesting way to play it. Well, because I feel like with these, whenever they say brewed with whatever, like, I feel like it's 50-50 whether or not that stuff actually comes through. Yeah. So I, whatever the taste is, what I would like it to be is, I think, the experience this beer has promised me. It's not explicitly promising you that. It, I, I get where you're getting that from, but it just makes me wish that... The label, instead of describing it, would say, this is going to take you on a flavor journey to East Asia or something. Hey, get ready. Wait, Strap what? in, motherfucker. You're going on a journey. Like, yeah. This, I've had beers that were a kick in the teeth before, but it, the beer never says, this is going to be a kick in the teeth, and then you're going to be playing video games, and you're going to be doing a bad job. You're really bad at Left 4 Dead. You're going to be spinning around like it's your first <laughs> first-person shooter, just shooting at your feet. Yeah, no, that's how I actually wish beers were labeled, because that's sort of what I'm in the mood for. Like, I don't know what they're going to taste like. Cause they can lie to you about that. But it's like, just tell me like what kind of night I'm going to have. It's just tough with subjectivity and all that. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I feel like my experience is pretty objective. Okay. So what I got out of this is obviously you're getting that yeast flavor, which is nice. It's pretty subtle. That's sort of where I want for a foundation. But I'm feeling at this point a little disappointed by all the other flavors. I think the tea is sort of like, they, I don't know if they, they feel like they didn't commit to the tea because that, that can be a, a strong enough flavor on its own. But I was hoping that that tea flavor would kind of balance out that yeastiness a little bit. And what it's doing is it's sort of just like you taste yeast and it just dives off a cliff in terms of flavor. Like it's sort of at the end of the palate. It sort of just tastes like wet newspaper right now is sort of what I'm getting. Oh, 
Uh, I think that's the tea. And uh, well, I was going to ask if like the peach and the tea are in there. Um, there's a little bit of some, I'd say, peachy sweetness at the very front. And then, yeah, like I said, just basically just sort of dives right off. So this would be a good beer, I guess, to chug consistently so you can keep sort of that front flavor. And then just brace yourself at the end. I sort of what my thought is right now. We'll see if, it, if I warm up to it later. Or you could chase this with tequila. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you could always do that. Or, instead, uh, we, we have an extra beverage that maybe will help you out. This is, uh, so I have something from Rogue Farms here. A whiskey from Rogue Farms. Because Rogue makes whiskey, and so I wanted to try it. So this one is 40% alcohol by volume. It's the Rogue Farms Oregon Rye. Apparently Rogue won Distillery of the Year at the World Beverage Competition. That's interesting. Okay, so I'm going to... Do you take your whiskey with ice or neat? Uh, with ice is perfectly fine. Seeing as we have a cup with ice already out here. Well, you have to drive, so I'll let you pour your own. Oh, thank you. Be responsible. I will do my best. There's a lot of ice in here, so i got to get it high enough to where I can actually reasonably say that there's a beverage. Okay, so I really like rye. Rye's my jam lately. And I have very mixed feelings about Rogue as a brewery, but I've never had anything by them uh, as a distillery. So I wish I, I had the same palette for whiskey I did for beer, because I would love to tell you about all the, like, peaty notes and, I, I don't know, other woods. I don't <laughs> But kind of what I can do is more give you the same type of description as Jed usually gives of his beers. We're just like, well, I can definitely taste that this is whiskey, and it's rye whiskey, because it's got a little bit of bitterness in it, and I like that about it. But I can never tell two ryes apart. All I'll say is, I like this rye whiskey. Uh, I like, I think, every rye whiskey I've ever had. Easy to please. Yeah, I guess. Sounds good. Let's see here. Yeah, that's super pleasant. I mean, mine's pretty watered down, so I'm getting, uh, it's pretty sweet, as far as I can tell. It's kind of like stocking on an Advil, like right before you take it. There's like a little bit of like do people do honey that? and vanilla. I do. Okay. Whoever's putting that candy stuff on the outside of Advil, keep it up, man. You're doing a great job. Sometimes I forget that I'm supposed to be taking them, and then it dissolves too fast, because the inside of an Advil tastes horrible. There's a very limited amount of time where it's a pleasant experience, and I've, I've lingered too far uh, on that edge and been burned before. And then you just have to swallow it as fast as you can? Yeah, yeah it's really as fast as you can. It tastes super bad in there. It's like, it's like they went overboard with medicine. Like, I get it. It's medicine. Like, it doesn't need to taste amazing, but it's like, okay, man, like... Let's try a little bit. Like, don't take this as carte blanche to just make the worst tasting thing in the world. I think the idea isn't for you to eat the outside. It's to buy you time to get it into your system. I'm saying, but don't make it so good then. Make it taste like nothing, so I don't want to keep it there. That guy is out dazzling and razzling. <laughs> razzling, huh? He's razzling, all right. He's a pure confectioner at heart, and it shows. I mean, that guy's probably dead. It stays like that since as long as I can remember. I'm sure whatever guy came up with, like, the formula for the outside is, is long dead. If they sold that as just a hard candy, or maybe like a an alternate version of M and M where that was the coating instead of the standard coating, would you would you eat those? I don't. I think it might be too understated for an M and M. I think if they made it like a flavor of nerds, though, I think I would do like a more oh. subtle adult laid back nerd. I, I would do that. Then you would have to call it like hipster or something. Yeah, like geek. Yeah. Uh, smelly kid. <laughs> These smelly kids are just like, oh. It's delicious. So that's the method I would eat. Do you want to uh, run through one of these articles? Why don't you pick one of your favorites, and we'll just start with that one. Okay. 
Well, as is custom, I've half read all of these. Let's start. Let's start with a with an easy one here. I don't think we're going to get much controversy out of it. The uh, Bud Light slammed for handing out beer to homeless during marketing stunt from Fox News. Well, you know, when are you supposed to do it if not during a marketing stunt? Yeah, that's true. Uh, it would be kind of weird if it was just in the dead of night. You know, <laughs> like a fairy. Drop drop a case and throw down a throw down a smoke bomb. <laughs> just take a tooth and leave a bunch of beer. <laughs> Take two out of their mouth. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, it's pretty easy. And they probably just slides right out. But, yeah, I think this is hilarious. I think this is a hilarious controversy. Not that homelessness is funny, but to be mad about this beer thing, I think, is absolutely hysterical. And there's a fantastic quote from a homeless guy in this article. And basically, they're like, how was it? And he's just like, it was awesome. I walked away with, like, a whole trolley full of beer. They were not paying attention to who they'd already given stuff to. This guy got himself, like, a couple days' supply of beer, and it's, like, perfect. He's like a sailor in the 1800s. Like, he's ready to go. What's a trolley in the UK? I think it's, like, a cart, like a shopping cart. A shopping cart. So, like, a buggy? Is that what they call them anywhere? Uh, apparently they call them that in West Virginia. Oh, weird. Uh, (laughs) It's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's one of those. Uh, so, maybe I was wrong, and we are gonna take contrary positions in this. I think that they shouldn't have done this, is how I feel about it. The whole marketing stunt or just homeless people? Well, I think that they probably shouldn't have done it, but they definitely shouldn't have just given a bunch of beer to homeless people. (laughs) I mean, fine. I think I can maybe see where you're going with this. I think they could have done a better job keeping an eye on, like, everybody gets one. But I think if you're going to do something like this, you can't just exclude a person because they're homeless. You can't alienate a homeless person during a free giveaway because if anybody needs free stuff... It's homeless people. But they definitely should not have given somebody, like, a whole shopping cart full of beers. I guess maybe it's a difference in how we're picturing this going down. Because, like, if they had, like, set up set up a stand on the side of the road that was like, Bud Light's coming back to the UK. Try our delicious, refreshing flavor. F- free on us. Hooray. And then people would come up and be like, oh, can I have one of those beers? And they say, well, let me see an ID. Make sure you're legal age. Enjoy Bud Light, etc. Then I'd be like, uh, okay. That sounds kind of dumb, but go for it. Whereas this, what I'm picturing is just some guys with backpacks full of Bud Light just throwing them at homeless people. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, not, not throwing them just like, like they're a weapon. Just a big pneumatic cannon. More like uh, kind of the way that, I don't know who it is, but they they throw cans of beer at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Like, just this, these guys are walking down the street like, who wants a beer? Who wants a beer? And actually... The homeless people are saying, I do, and they're just like, here, have a beer. And I guess they just walk down that street 50 times and throw it to the same guy over and over again. That seems bad to me. Because then you could be, you know, I, I actually am not sure what the drinking age is. It's like 18, UK, but, right? but if you're a 17-year-old person with a mustache, and like, <laughs> throw me a beer, the guy's not going to go over there and say, let me see some ID. Yeah. You got to hope that he used them up on the of-age homeless guys. Right, so... These guys are saving kids so what, from of-age <laughs> drinking. No, what I'm saying is you could easily be... Giving, like, in, in a stunt like this, you could be giving beer out to underage kids, and you could be giving out beer to homeless people who are way more likely to have alcohol addiction problems. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and I don't know why I have to say this last sentence. That is, <laughs> that is my problem with it. Okay, I mean, I guess. But no one's complaining that they were giving it to kids. They're just complaining about giving it to homeless people. These people are, like, not in our communities. And it's like, dude, people are sleeping outside in your communities. Be upset about that. If that guy needs... 20 beers to be able to sleep outside he earned it man that guy sleeps outside i feel like 
anything homeless people want to do, when I give homeless people money and people go, oh, like, what if they use that on drugs? Like, whatever that guy's got to do, whatever that guy's got to do to get through the night, he sleeps outside. Do people really criticize you for giving uh, money to homeless people? Oh, yeah, there's some people like, oh, I never give it to them. They're going to use they're going to use it on drugs. And it's like, well, so what? Well, I, I mean, I, I get not wanting to give money to homeless people because uh, you'd rather have it for yourself. That makes sense to me. It's, I think it's kind of a whole other thing to criticize you doing that. It's just a weird moral choice to make on your behalf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I would way rather give them food or blankets or something like that. But I don't generally have blankets on me. I don't have them carrying around, yeah. And, although, in fairness, I also don't usually have cash. Yeah, it's the future, man. Yeah, they gotta get. Once you see a homeless guy with a chip reader, it's time to oh, like. Yeah. Maybe that's a, a warning sign. Yeah. But yeah, man, I don't know. I think this is. If that guy was not exaggerating, I think they definitely should have managed this a little better. <laughs> if he actually got a shopping cart full of beers, there's no way that one guy getting eighty beers is gonna promote your brand. Because that, that now Bud Light, after like what like sixteen years or something, it said they hadn't been available in England. They're now back and immediately associated with homeless people. Yeah. So it's like that could have gone a lot better. It's going to take the Colt 45 turn where it's just... Lando Calrissian? Lando Calrissian, yeah. Which is... No one no one wants to. I want to do it. One Han Solo wanted to associate with Lando Calrissian. <laughs> he betrayed him. Yeah, and then he's still associated with him. Yeah. The third one. He didn't care. Well, Lando I think is it's, a lovable scamp. It's too charismatic. So charismatic. He had a cape. He was like the only person in Star Wars other than Darth Vader with a cape. I'm not allowed to have a cape, man. I, I watched a, a pretty weird supercut once that was just Lando Calrissian scenes, but it wasn't just his scenes, it was only his lines. So if you if he's in a dialogue, you see him deliver his line, and then it cuts to the next line in the dialogue he delivers. So, like, I didn't remember Empire Strikes Back well enough to remember what the conversation was. I seemed like a crazy person. I love Lando. He's so good. Like, he's just... You could tell he was a smooth operator, and he has, like... 15 minutes of screen time in the yeah. second one. You already know everything you need to know about Lando Calrissian just based on the way that Billy D. Williams, like, carries himself. And he's got, like, the smoothest voice. Oh, yeah. He's like, you're like, this guy might be cooler than Han Solo, but with a slightly darker and more spotty past. You're like, yep. That's him. But when you have a, a, a spottier past than someone who's, like... A smuggler? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, Han Solo is a smuggler with a heart of gold. Lando Calrissian is, like, a douchebag with a heart of, like, bronze. Like... He ends Bronze up doing the right guest. thing, but he's not at all at the start. Like, Han Solo starts off doing the right thing. He sort of sees the broader perspective here, and pretty quickly gets in line. Lando Calrissian, like, definitely hard dicks them I think, in the first one. I think Lando... The second one. I think Lando only does the right thing when he realizes it's in his best interest to do the right thing. Yeah, he might that's not be a not good even, guy. He might not even be a good guy. I think he's true neutral. Good old Lando. Just maybe, Lando even, maybe even lawful neutral. He's... Obeying exactly the rules that benefit him the most. <laughs> That's his creed. I like that he's friends with like the Hispanic catfish alien that they have. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what makes them Hispanic. Is that Nien Nub? I think it's the mustache is to me what makes him like, Hispanic. <laughs> is that racist? I maybe. I don't know. I think it's just like in cartoons, like sometimes like Hispanic yeah. characters have a similar mustache to that. Like mariachis and such. Yeah, and so he just looks like a Hispanic guy. I think he might maybe like Southeast Asian is the what they were going for. Maybe they're going for catfish aliens. <laughs> I don't know. You, you would hope that they were just going for aliens and not racial stereotypes, but there are a few every, that are pretty clear. Almost every alien race is just like some racial stereotype. Yeah. 
Like when Klingons were super Russian in the in the first Star Trek. That's, that's and they made Star them... Trek. You're you're outside of my area. Oh I'm man, I'm not really a Star Trek guy. Oh man, Star Trek is pretty good. The thing about Star Trek is it's a lot like Star Wars. But if you didn't watch it when you were younger, I don't know if you really like it as much as like other people do. Like I know some like some of the worst times I've heard people having is like when they as an adult watch Star Wars for the first time with like all of their friends. Oh yeah, because they're like this wasn't that good. And then yeah. everyone gets mad. Three Sex hasn't seen it, and now I can't show it to her. No, she's gonna be disappointed. Like it doesn't make yeah. sense that it's like the cultural icon, because like it does. It's like watching Citizen Kane, where you watch it now and you're like, "That was boring." Uh, but oh, I like, love Citizen. But dude, it's like it's the only old movie from them that holds up at all. Like it was so much better than every movie at the time that it looks like a modern movie. Like it invented a lot of like the camera techniques that we use now. So it looks like a modern film, but like nothing at the time. Except it's like in black and white. Yeah, except it's in black and white, so it's boring. I think. I think Casablanca does a good job, too. Mm-hmm. But that's just because of the writing and the acting is really good. So you can forgive it being really slow-paced and in black and white and stuff. Yeah. But no, I think it's one of those... It's just like, you're always going to be disappointed. But Star Trek, there's like a lot of good content if you're willing to sit through, like I don't know, 20 years of work. I think with Star Trek, if you jump in in the, like, the movies that have been coming out the last decade or whatever, and if you jump in with Star Wars with Episode Seven then I think, like, you're fine, because these are modern movies, but just, like, don't dig too deep in the crate or else you're going to get really bored. Probably know. the same thing with Doctor Who. Yeah, you like, think? You probably if you go too back with, too, like, I, I, I'm I not a big Doctor Who guy. I watched some of the, uh, what's that fool's name? What's the latest dude? The old guy or, like, the, one the of the old, younger guys? Yeah, the old guy. I don't remember. I've been out. I've been out of the game. Oh. I watched that old guy shit, and I was like, I like this old guy, and then I watched a little bit of Matt Smith, and I was like, I, I don't like the fact that he's not an old guy. <laughs> and, and already, even though that's recent, I, that's too far back for me. Get that's me. crazy, yeah, because I feel like David Tennant, actually, I liked the bald one before David Tennant, but when that guy switched to David Tennant, I was like, this is fine. And David Tennant was amazing, and the entire time Matt Smith was Doctor Who, I was like, still not happy this guy's not David Tennant. And then he turned into an old guy. I was like, we're getting even farther. <laughs> Peter the Capaldi. Guy, like, yeah, Peter Capaldi. So we're getting even farther away from the guy I liked. Can we, like, circle back, give me some familiar territory? Maybe it's just you like your first Doctor, and Peter Capaldi's where I started. I think that there's some truth in that. But like, I feel like with Star Trek, if you watch the movies now and then go back and try to watch Star Trek, any of them on the TV show... You're gonna be disappointed. Like, oh, I'm sure. It is not an action show. It is a show about the philosophy of destroying a massive world-eating beast, and if you should or not, or if it has a right to run around eating planets. <laughs> Wait, is there like a Galactus analog in these shows? There's like a crystal entity in Next Generation, I believe, where it's like this like dope ass fucking super alien that just like eats a bunch of shit, and they're like, should we kill it? And they're like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Actually, I might start watching The Next Generation in the not-so-distant future just because I want to start listening to this podcast called The Next Generation where they just talk about, like, like each episode is them talking about an episode of Star Trek. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm thinking about doing, like, a watch-and-listen type of a thing, mm-hmm. but uh, I already listened to too many podcasts. I need to free up some space first. Yeah, no, that's like, that sounds like Go Bayside, which was a really fun... Oh, yeah, I've heard good things about that. It yeah, it sounds like the exact same premise. It was great, only it's Saved by the Bell, which is just absurd. The yeah. whole show is absurd. That was really good, I can't, I'm bummed that I don't think they're making new episodes of that, nor have they for a while. Well, did they run out of episodes? I think they, the show's uh, not still on they the said air. everything. I feel like there was a lot of Saved by the Bell. I mean, I guess there are a lot of episodes of this podcast. I'd have to look it up to see if they actually finished. But it's so funny, Saved by the Bell, it just makes no sense. There's uh, another podcast that I want to get into that is uh, kind of the inverse, where 
this group of people watches uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and then mm-hmm. talks about it, but they do one episode a year released on Thanksgiving. And they just watch it again? Yeah. Well, which is the, the idea being that since, you know, it's only annual, they won't have that many episodes before they're too old to do it, but when you are... When you want to retire, you have to find someone to take your place, which is an interesting <laughs> concept, I think. But two of the guys on it are on the worst idea of all time, which is one where I think they watched they watched Sex in the City two every week for a year, and oh that was God. season one, or maybe that one was season two, and then maybe the first Paul Blart was their other one, so that they'll just do one movie a year every week and like. Just descend into men. It's just <laughs> always a shitty movie. It. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we watched a shitty movie uh, this past week, and it was so fun. It was so good. Tammy and the T Rex, nineteen ninety four. Janice Richards and Paul Walker, high school sweethearts. Such a fucking weird pairing. Oh my god. Oh man, dude. And Paul Walker was showing some serious midriff. Like if you Google Paul Walker from this movie, he's got like. This gray sweater that's like cut off, like right above like his stomach. What? He's got like the physique of a female bodybuilder, and it's like weirdly hypnotic. Can you buy those, or did he buy a sweater? It looked it like off? he cut it off. Like it looked like frayed. Maybe it was manufactured to look that way. I don't know what people were wearing in high school in 1994. That is a little bit before I my mean, time. In I high was school. I was cool enough as a four year old that I had high school friends, but <laughs> yeah, it would be the most irresponsible but thing. Back then, I was doing. Just so many drugs, I can barely even remember that part of my <laughs> life. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but Denise Richards has an insane ex-boyfriend. Like, not just, like, crazy ex-boyfriend, like, you're thinking it's a movie where maybe he gets in a fist fight with Paul Walker. It's like, he does that, but then he also murders Paul Walker. Oh. Like, and no one reacts that it's, like, in, the, in an appropriate way. No one is like, wow, this guy is crazy out of line. No one's like, please, like, just leave us alone. Like, we broke up. It's like, why are you calling the police right now? This that was my question. out of his fucking mind. And so this dude fucking tries to murder Paul Walker, and he, like, leaves him in this nature preserve full of jungle cats. And... I know, that's just around. They don't address that, really. It's California. Maybe such a place exists. They drop him off there. They leave him after, like, beating him with, like, baseball bats and stuff. He gets mauled by a lion. There's a scene where he's mauled by a lion. Then it cuts to the hospital. Paul Walker is in the hospital, because that's what happens when you get mauled by a lion. Yeah. Totally fine, but in a coma. He's been in a coma for, wait, like, 17 wait. hours. Like, he's got, like, a couple bandages on, but his face is, like, totally fine. So, hold on. I might be... I think you might be uh, overthinking this, whatever you're about to say. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely the wrong thing to nitpick, but a lion is not a jungle cat. Sorry, a savannah cat. But but what is this preserve? Like Are there tigers and lions there? Because there's, there's like no jaguars and stuff in there too. Oh no, because jaguar is a jungle cat. They got jaguars up in the trees and then like lions out and about. They would they, like I don't think there's a climate that could facilitate both of these animals other than so. like a zoo. Yeah, maybe Southern California. Who knows? Yeah, it's a magical place. Yeah, it is. So yeah, so you're right. So they have these <laughs> invasive species. So now all of a sudden, this movie sounds shitty. Now it sounds like it's all falling apart at the seams. A guy, a mad scientist who has built a robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex breaks into the hospital, pretends to be, in like a slapstick scene, pretends to be a real doctor at this hospital, and he's like smoking a cigarette the whole time, that's like their bit, <laughs> is he's like smoking, and then he's Richards is like dumb as a bag of hammers, and Paul Walker's the only surviving relative is his alcoholic uncle, who's like passed out drunk in the chair in the hospital room, the doctor and nurse basically like unplug his heart monitor so it flatlines, and they're like, 
give him like fake CPR, and then like two <laughs> minutes later, like, oh, he's dead. You're gonna have to take him out of here. And Denise Richards is just like sobbing in the hospital room. And Again, they take his body. I might be uh, too into the details here, but do you remember what the music is during this scene? It's played up for laughs. Like it's supposed yeah. to be funny, but it's pretty depressing because Denise Richards is not acting as though she's like funny sad. She's like weeping. And they're just like, see ya, da 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 da. <laughs> they like wheel this guy's body up. They cut out Paul Walker's brain in like the next scene and put it in this T Rex robot. And then Paul Walker wakes up when they're all out, like later that night, and he is trying to escape from this facility as a T Rex. And he, there's a scene where he grabs a mirror and like looks at himself in it, and he sees his T Rex face, and he lets out like a roar, like a forlorn <laughs> roar. And then the rest of the movie is like, one, he has to convince Denise Richards that it's him. He's like, gotta find his friend. So he commits a bunch of murder. He kills one of the henchmen that locked him up by crushing him to death. Um, there is a Seems scene like, like a misuse of your abilities. Yep. Uh, there is a scene later where, because um, he's a robot, so he doesn't need to eat anybody. But he can still chop him. For sure, he can still chop him. There's a scene when they find that guy, when the evil people find this henchman. They see him completely flattened in the parking lot, like a pancake. Like, like under a steamroller? Yeah. And they're like, ugh. And then the lady rolls him oh up like God. a piece of paper. And it's not funny. Like, there's no music while this is happening. She's just, like, having a conversation. She's like, ugh, what a hassle. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, horrific. Maybe this is just the darkest ever dark comedy. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's going over my head. Like, <laughs> because... Paul Walker then goes out, he murders a bunch of the people who, like, left him in that jungle cat slash savannah cat prison. At this point, is it Paul Walker? Is he doing any voice acting? Do you hear an inner monologue? No. Or, or so, like, when he gets murdered, that's a rap on Paul Walker. The man, the actor Paul Walker, can go home and be done with this movie. I assume that they did all of his scenes and then he left. Like, he is not even top-billed in the movie. Like, he's not even listed on the cover of the movie. Even though, like, he's the main character. In theory... But, but it becomes much more about this T-Rex and Denise right. Richards, and the guy who's the mad scientist is Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. So he is up there in the top billing. And uh, basically Paul Walker convinces Denise Richards that it's him after committing all these murders. By, it, by like, literally it takes one scene for her to understand that it's Paul Walker's brain in this T-Rex and that he's like fully cognizant of this. And is it that he gave her a real good dick and just like Paul Walker used to? Uh, no, she never has sex with Paul Walker or this T-Rex. Which was total bullshit. But yeah, like, I mean, it's also a robot. I don't know if you'd give the robot T-Rex a dick. Like, the minute you're giving a robot a dick, people are gonna ask, like, what's that for? Like, <laughs> hey, why are you doing that? Are you gonna fuck that robot? It's for impregnating female T-Rex robots. Yeah, obviously. It's how we make a species right. of them. It's, it was very hard to get it to work right. Uh, but basically, it was just the craziest scene in there is Denise Richards understanding that this T-Rex is Paul Walker because it's like, it takes 10 seconds. She's not fainting from fear the entire time. And he, he just does quick charades. And she's like, oh, yeah, you have Brian's brain. And it's just like, are you kidding me? It's just like in Fateful Findings, that Neil Breen movie, when he tells everyone that he's a spy and the government's after him, and instead of people going, you're out of your fucking mind, they go, wow, that's super dangerous, you should yeah. be careful. It's like that same kind of thing where it's like, what are you talking about? Like, How are you bought in like this? It was so good. The movie just made me think I was insane the whole time. And that's a really good, bad movie, is it makes you question your <laughs> sanity as you're watching it. The thing is, this good, bad movie sounds different from other good, bad movies in that this warrants a remake. Based on what you've described, I think you could make a really good wacky comedy or a very strange black comedy. Mm -hmm. As opposed to The Room, which is just a movie with no plot. It just like if you just if you some if 
you try to explain to someone what the room's about, it doesn't really work. Just like as as a high level narrative, it doesn't work. What happens in the room? I'm really not sure. What happens in Faithful Findings? A guy who is an author might have found government secrets and doesn't know how to deal with that. And then, but then this is like a man is murdered and his brain is put in a T-Rex body and he has to deal with that. That's a, that's a, a very wacky but concrete premise. Yeah, that's true. Like, there is a movie there. And this was definitely made by, like, a movie studio. It, what, it's not, like, Oh, it wasn't a movies. weird indie thing? No, I mean, it's got Denise Richards in it. Oh, right. Like, this thing was a real movie. Probably not a very expensive movie, but definitely, like, actually made, unlike Fateful Findings or something like The Rumor, it's, like, an insane man with inexplicable income funds their crazy evil project. Um, this is, like, a real movie. So, I don't know. The, the, I think the best... It, it kind of gets really... It gets really weird for a, a really long time in this movie because like they, they realize Denise Richards immediately comes up with a plan to get Paul Walker a new body. So, they so what to, you're telling me is uh, she doesn't love him for his mind? She can't just be with this robot? robot? No, she can't. Wow. What uh, a I know. So vapid. But they take they go to the morgue and they're like looking through the bodies and they have like they have like a shopping montage almost where like they're bringing up these bodies to the window and the T Rex is like shaking. Is them he off. really shaking his oh, head? Oh, he's shaking them off. He like is like scratching his head, thinking, and I'll just be like, oh no, my no, no, God. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, it's super There's dark. Such strange spikes in potential. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy that they do that scene and then at the end, they've like D- Denise Richards is like it's like what's her plan though? Because the mad scientist is like the only person who's capable of like doing this brain setup thing. Yeah, and She's wait. convinced that, like, she's going to handle it. She's what, in high school. What? Wait, she's in high school? They're all in high school. Okay. What bodies are these? Like, dead bodies at the hospital. Like, recently dead bodies. So, so wow. So, that is, is very morbid. Yep. Yep, yep. This movie, I think I might actually like. I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it might be a legitimately very good movie. It, I think what you've described to me might be a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing is on YouTube, so you can definitely... Is it really? Yeah, it is. You can definitely watch oh, it on YouTube if you're willing to look at the, like, the potato quality upload right. of this VHS onto YouTube. Um, yeah, no, definitely check it out. It is so weird. It's such a weird movie. I'll, I'll find a link and put it in the show notes. Yeah, no, I encourage anybody to watch it. If you have like a free hour and a half and you like bad movies, it's definitely worth it. Uh, well, speaking of things to put in the show notes, I generally put the articles in the show notes. Should we talk about another article? Let's do it. Uh, I picked last one. Uh, let's do hiring beer testing. Uh, yeah, so, uh, there's text I had to explain this to me, because I didn't read it. I guess there's something called the beer test, where you, when you're hiring someone, you try to figure out whether they're the type of person with whom you'd want to have a beer, or, you know, that would be good to, to have a beer with your whole team with, you know, if you want to go out socially, and... The idea is if you don't think that they would mesh well, then they are probably not good for your team. And so this article is about why that is a bad idea. And I think that coming from someone who hasn't heard of this before, a more interesting article might be why this could possibly be a good idea. Because it sounds like it has to be a bad idea. What makes you say that? Well, maybe maybe part of it is uh, my chosen profession. I guess chosen is a strong word. The possession... The, the, position I fell ass backwards into at, at developing software, like, everybody's a weirdo. And that's fine. I don't want to go out and have a beer with pretty much any of my coworkers. And obviously I'm not in a hiring position, but I wouldn't want people to be hiring based on that criterion because 
there are a lot of people I work with who are very good at their jobs, and I'm very happy to be their coworker. I just don't want to be their friend. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that dynamic. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I think with this, it would be a tool that you would only use, I think, in like roles where that was important, where like being able to sit down and having like a good kind of job. Maybe, everybody maybe if it's good. like a salesman or something. Yeah, something like so. There are other roles at our company that I think this is probably used to some extent. Could be. Um, You know, teams where you're traveling a lot, where you're spending a lot of time with each other. And, you know, maybe it's where the job itself maybe isn't necessarily, like, super difficult. Uh, But a lot of the component is how well people do their individual tasks together. If teamwork is really a major part of your job, maybe it is good to think about, like, hey, I think a lot, there are a lot of candidates who could do the base requirements of this job or who are going to do a good job. It's like, which of these people do I think is going to get along best with everybody else? This is definitely something in college for, was an acapella group and for tryouts, this is definitely something we talked about when there was a tie. Like, this was our tiebreaker. Was but, like, who's who's the coolest bro? Yeah, or like, I mean, we weren't necessarily cool or bros because <laughs> there was a lot of singing. But it, it, there are definitely, there are two people who are equally good. It's like, okay, we'd be happy with either one of these people being in the group. Which person do we think is going to have fun with us and do we think we're going to have fun with because that's going to make our next year more fun and they're going to be more likely to stay in the group because there was nothing worse than like wasting a spot on somebody who quit like pretty soon after they joined or who quit after that first year or something so this would be like a tiebreaker we would use i would never use this to say like someone who is going to be an amazing candidate would be like out but i think if you got two people who are the same it's something to think about and when your job makes sense because i don't even know if software developers talk to each other like uh, we do, and it's sometimes really bad. <laughs> but I would, but sometimes I have to talk to people because they're bad at their jobs. I'd rather just have someone be good at their job and not have to deal with them at all. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite coworkers, the ones I never talk to, because <laughs> they're off doing their own shit, and I'm doing my own shit. And we don't have to deal with each other. So in the ideal position, the software developer is never talking to another one. Basically, if everything's running smoothly, right? Needs to be yeah, really talking. No one's got to call me about a bug I call, caused because I didn't cause one. You know, no mm-hmm. one's got to ask me questions about how stuff works because they can figure it out themselves. That's the ideal situation. Yeah. Not the life I live. Mm-hmm. But so that's a, a lot of setup to what is this article about again? Uh, why you shouldn't do that. Why it's discriminatory and it leads to uh, cultural um, homogeneity. And why, uh, and why does Carolyn Betts think this is a bad idea from Mashable.com? I think she's just a big old wet blanket. Like she's, oh, okay. I, I didn't, I, I also kind of skimmed it, but I'm pretty sure at the end it's just like, I hate fun and like, Drinking is stupid. And then let, me, like, let me do a con- quick control F. I'm pretty sure you'll find that in there. Um, the word hate is not featured in the article. Uh, it is in the word whatever. Uh, it's a substring of whatever. It, it, did you guys know that you can spell the word hate in the word whatever? Because I'm just now seeing it. Like It's never, it never it's, occurred to me It's before. a real mind blower. Yeah. And basically it says like it's not a good indicator of a person's like actual ability at their job, which should be obvious. Like you, you, This shouldn't be the only question in your hiring process. It's like, what I want to kick it with this guy. Because even in my acapella group, we had a rule that was, you have to either be good or fun. And we would we would prefer both. But we had people in our group who were amazing that never ever did anything social with us. But it's like, you're super good. Like obviously we'd rather be good at singing because that's fun too. It's fun to be right. good at your job. I think that actually where this could work perfectly would be say, okay, say finally, Justice has its way with the world, and hmm. I get discovered as a rap star. Cool, cool. Yeah, and finally, white people can take that over. <laughs> it's the return of the Mac, we'd call it. And so, I mean, obviously, I'm a really talented rapper. Everyone knows that, and it's just that I haven't gotten recognized. Uh, <laughs> and so, when I finally get picked up by a major label, uh, obviously, 
uh, I'll you know quit my job and you know go on the road and all that stuff. But while I'm on the road, I'm gonna need uh, some boys. You know, uh, I'll need an entourage. Yeah, yeah. I think that the main criterion for my entourage is who do I want to kick it with. 